0: This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned.
1: All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our
0: dreams. Horror. You got right on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Horror. Hey
1: everybody and welcome to another episode of Oh The Horror, a podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the expert, Rob Holmes. And I'm the newcomer, Steve Allman. And today, we are taking a look at the 2007 Michael Doherty classic, Trick or Treat. Which, you're probably thinking, wait, 2007? I thought this came out in 2009 or 2010. Yes, the answer. Yes,
0: it did. The, uh, answer, the answer is answer yes. to all those questions is yes.
1: Um, this this is a film that, that dealt with a lot of issues before it was finally released. Uh, it was made by Warner Brothers. If you know a little bit about Michael Doherty, he has he's worked with uh, Brian Singer a lot, who actually produced this film. Uh, he wrote X. Well, he wrote the screenplay for X X Two, um, which people love. The second X Men film. Um, he also wrote the screenplay for Superman Returns. And there's a theory that's been going around that the reason Trick or Treat was bumped from uh, the schedule back in 2007 was due to uh superman returns failing at the box office and it was kind of warner brothers retribution saying well uh the project you worked on for us didn't work out so the project that we let you made or let you make uh, we're willing to take the loss on that there's also the theory that it was going up against saw four and they didn't want competition but why would you shelve a film then for another few years and then basically release it on dvd it, it doesn't so, make sense so we,
0: we yeah, we're getting into a lot of the business side of the release of this movie before it even comes to fruition, really, because this this movie was very old at the time of its actual release. Like, it seemed dated. This movie came out initially, like, actually, actually, in 2009, 2010. This movie looks like it was made at least five years earlier than that.
1: Well, in a way. I feel like it has a, it has a very good throwback feel to it, which is something that I, I really enjoy about this film. Um this I, I have to say, this is my favorite anthology film. Out of any anthology what? film that's existed, this to me is the most cohesive, tight-knit, well-produced anthology film I've seen, and I'm, I'm expecting you to, to not like it for some reason.
0: No 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 I liked it I liked oh, okay. this quite a bit I like okay, it a great okay. deal. Uh, <laughs> I was just th- like I'm one... hyping
1: it and I'm like oh man he's going to no, hate. No 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 no. <laughs> uh, I I
0: I will say this I think the the problem of of a lot of anthology movies uh, at least when we look in the current aspect of uh, like found footage films and uh, conceits that like there needs to be a sort of like narrative uh, conceit or trope or uh, construct to make these multiple stories somehow weave together or seamlessly uh, like n- who that don't fit like Southbound uh, like, j- like that was just like, that was seemingly just sp- sporadic stories that happened along a, the same type of road that had a, sort of like a daisy chain of cinematic, like, you know, connections. Um, but this one uh, very much is in tune with a lot of the anthology movies of the eighties uh, specifically with the comic book "Tales from the Crypt" type uh, st- structure, where we it's literally fr- ripped from the pages of a comic book, from the uh, like of the same vein. Uh, it's it's a very very cheeky and fun uh, type of construct that is shown in the way the movie actually looks. And I think the more like I, this to me was just a wholesome movie. This felt so. It felt pure. It felt, like, fun. It was nice. It was nice to see this. I don't know, like, I can't really describe. There's something, there's some magic about, like, early 2000s. Like, before just, like, before Saw got out of control, before Marvel took, in, like, a hold of things, like, when we when there were some movies that came out in the early 2000s that were, like, semi-successful and, like, the, the typical types of, the way a movie looked and the way that a movie presented itself. I don't know why, but like for some reason that just hits so well with me. Uh, and it's easily shown here where everything's just a little bit more lighthearted. Things aren't taken as seriously enough, but just enough so that we are all here along for this ride having fun. And Trick or Treat definitely nails a lot of that
1: it is yeah it is fun brutality because when you realize what is happening in this film at moments it is very very dark it is very twisted in in another director's hands this could be a very mean-spirited film oh absolutely um, absolutely actually
0: um because i could see i can easily see uh how you could sawify this how you could edge lord this how you can like yeah. you know make it a lot of like uh, make it too uh, dour and too sad and too angsty uh, and it it takes the opposite of that it seems bright it seems colorful yeah. uh, it feels stylized yeah, in a way I'm, that you don't it, that it's not unnerving it doesn't shut you out it doesn't make you feel like it's taking itself too seriously it's so fun
1: Exactly, I'm I'm very glad it's not Rob Zombies Trick or Treat. You know what I mean? No, um, absolutely not. Especially his later stuff. His earlier stuff was more fun. But but looking at this, uh, Michael Doherty has put together such a fantastically interwoven story. Every You know the beginning is the end is the beginning there's scenes that are intertwining as people are walking down the street we see them but they're gonna be the focus of a story later we're getting little bits of following um, Anna Paquin's character uh, dressed as Little Red Riding Hood throughout with her sister and their friends as they get ready for this party and you know, you're following uh, another group of kids as they're going from house to house. You're following um, a principal who has w- a lot of skeletons in his closet and in his in his in his backyard. Because um, that story in itself is great, and I like how they they intertwine everything from that. Because you have Dylan Baker. I mean, the cast in this is stacked. Like you have a really good, you have a really solid cast that I. I was actually really amazed by you have Dylan Baker, Anna Paquin, Brian Cox, who Brian Cox is good in just about everything he's in. You can have oh, a terrible yes. movie, oh, you throw Brian Cox in it, and he he's going to make it that much better. Um, you have Quinn Lord playing playing Sam. Um, or Sam Hain, uh, who's the the ancient Celtic uh, deity, I guess. Of, mm, yeah. Well, he's not a deity actually. He's he's more of the um the spirit of Halloween, I guess. You know. Um, in 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 this film, that's kind of what Sam is in this. Sam is kind right. of the protector of Halloween, the guardian of Halloween. If you mess something up in Halloween or not following tradition he will get you because he loves halloween and his head is a pumpkin um, and that's
0: so i i love <laughs> the so we, we're mentioning all of these like seemingly sporadic elements and uh, again before when i say that a the the problem that i would have with most anthology movies is the fact that uh, they are not they are either too interconnected or not interconnected enough and uh, this is a perfect balance of while all of these stories are seemingly disjointed or, like, go from one to the other, not really having that much connection to one another, you see little bits of and elements, because it's all happening within this small, small town on the same night and playing with time in certain, like, aspects of that time to when it, cu- it culminates into a bit of a picture or a, a mosaic, if you will, that just is this weird, messed-up town of all of these... Crazy things.
1: It's very. I mean, this is this is such an insane blending in in the greatest way possible. I, I just when it, when I'm watching this, these stories intertwine perfectly, and it really ties back in from the be, and you know beginning to the end, where you can almost just watch this film on loop and and just start piecing together that that perfect timeline. Um, with you know in the beginning with Leslie Bibb's character and Tomoa Penaquette. Um, who, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, because his name is, I just look at it and I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's a, a lot to say. Um, but I, rem- quite a I remember few vowels, him from, I remember him from Battlestar Galactica and he was awesome on that. So I just love watching this and seeing him in this film. And I remember the first time I saw this and I was like, yes. Uh, and Leslie Bibb, who, you know, we've seen in films for years. Uh, and then, you know, their, their little section is done, but they do come back around, which is really great in this because you're like, oh, it's not just a tiny cameo. There's a little more to it um, story-wise. All in all very very short amount but you know there's something more to it uh. and then we start you know that's our little opener of them getting back from it's the end of Halloween it's the end of the night she's done with it he is totally like no man Halloween's great why do you hate Halloween let's go inside and have sex and she's like no let's take down all these decorations and he's like nah I don't want to do that. And she's,
0: like and she's like, you're just going to play video games all day tomorrow. You're just going to be a lazy little shit." And he's like, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
1: okay. And so she's like, good, I'm going to take this stuff down then and go get the tape. So he's like, cool, all right, I'm going to have sex with my wife. This is awesome. Um, and she starts pulling down the decorations. And what's really great is that Michael Doherty knows tension. He builds tension right away as she's pulling down all the sheets because you're expecting something. And the build towards that, it doesn't do the jump scare thing. But it definitely pulls the music up where you're expecting it to happen. You expect it to happen. It doesn't, and in a moment of calm, there's that that jump attack, um, and and it just goes brutal right away. It literally goes for the throat right off the bat. Um, yeah,
0: it's uh, it's it's a solid opening, and then uh, mixed with a great opening credit sequence, like again ripped from the pages of a comic book, has all these like poppy illustrations. Uh, Comic Sansy fonts and all that stuff. Knowing that you are clearly getting an anthology movie if you are at all familiar with Tales from the Crypt or uh, oh my goodness, what was the other one that we reviewed? Uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking now.
1: Uh, oh, Creepshow.
0: Creepshow. If you're familiar with Creepshow, of course, Creepshow. F- taking the pages right out of those books, uh, and and then we start off with uh, with another great story, which is which I absolutely love. But it's. Uh, <laughs> I like I would like to say that like this uh, some of the dialogue here is very two thousands cringy well uh, okay I, in this, I like, don't
1: i I don't know necessarily. Dialogue can be cringy no matter what decade it, it's in. You know, very I mean? true, very true. I, but I given this, this was one,
0: in my formative teenage years, uh, I feel a, a special
1: connection to this cringe. Dude, this was my like post college, so I was. Well, yes, uh, two
0: thousand nine, yes, but I'm thinking two thousand five. Oh, 15, I'm thinking
1: so. two thousand seven for when the original slated release. So, but right. sure. Anyway. I yeah there there's a little there there's a few issues with it but you know now we start following we follow Sam through as kind of our you know he's kind of like our our narrator but not you know, he's he's our little through line. Who's everywhere in all of our scenes. Our silent crypt keeper, Yeah, he's our fun
0: info dump. Actually, yeah. If I, if I could kind of really like anything that's not like out of place in the town, or like you don't know exactly where we are or who these people are supposed to be. Right. He'll like just kind of bring you up to speed in like the first five minutes of this scene
1: without saying anything. It's just more of him moving throughout the elements. So. We walk through the town and we see where people are. We see Dylan Baker, the president, or the president, <laughs> the principal of the high school, standing around carrying a bag, you know, waiting around for stuff. Um, and we're watching Sam move through and we see, uh, you know, some girls driving around, or walking through, going to get costumes. We see all this other stuff, these other kids going trick-or-treating, Um and we follow this kid as he's going around, the kid from Bad Santa, going around punching pumpkins and knocking them down um, with his thing of candy, chocolate all over his face. And he, he goes up to uh, the principal's uh, house. And it says, please take one. So he takes all of them and turns around to see uh, the principal, uh, Principal uh, Wilkins, just sitting there standing there and looking at him and they have this little talk and he gives him this lecture and he starts pulling out these knives that he went to buy. Looking perfectly
0: fifties creepy. Oh man,
1: it is perfectly fifties creepy because he he pulls that off so well. And you know, he pulls the knife out of the jack-lantern and then just pulls one of these and you hear that shink noise, that whoosh, you know, uh because knives,
0: very effective sound design. Because apparently
1: knives do that. But I always love when because apparently sometimes you can you can get a knife to do that. Or it's rare. It doesn't just happen. I mean, not out of the a pumpkin, air. I will say. There, it's not yeah. it's not a stone. No, exactly. It was a little. But I love I love the noise. I love the reaction that the kid has, and he's eating all this candy, and then he just starts getting sick. Because you're expecting you're expecting him to just stab the kid or something. Something crazy is going to happen. And or, or you're expecting a razor blade in the candy bar, but instead this kid starts throwing up like his, basically his gut. Gratuitously, just, like gratuitous hilariously. Just amounts of, of chocolate and, I guess, blood mixed in there, vomiting this for a while until he falls over and passes out, or dies, I guess, and he drags him out into this grave. There's this hilarious scene between him and his son, where his son just starts yelling out the window at him. I just, By the way... I
0: love the comedy of errors here where you just oh, like, I just so can't good. murder this kid enough. Like, and, <laughs>
1: Well, first, there's a second body in there. He has already murdered someone else. Because there's already a body in the grave. So you're thinking, holy shit, what the hell is this? This guy's crazy and he's a principal of high school? Okay, where's this going? Um, and throughout this, you hear a dog next door barking. And we have Brian Cox's character come out. And he ends up, um, Mr. Krieg, he ends up kind of like talking to, to Steve Wilkins as he's kicking this kid who he thought was dead. <laughs> like, Charlie is, is not dead anymore. And like, I guess he was not dead yet. I guess he woke up and he's kicking around and he's like stepping on the kid, trying to hit him with a shovel repeatedly while talking to Wilkins after he's fed this finger to Wilkins dog to shut up the dog. It's a cool little moment. It's hilarious to see, and then the guy's kid keeps yelling out the window at him, and he's like, you need to be quiet, and the kid's like, okay, but I need help with the jack lantern and I need help cutting the eyes, I need help cutting the eyes, and you're like, oh my god, this kid, this kid. Right, it's no wonder this punctuated, dad, because like at every yeah.
0: turn, he's just trying to finish the thing, and, and he's it, like, oh, like, it's, it's so, so good. good.
1: And he's, he's about to hit him with a shovel twice, and the kid keeps coming out, finally he does. And he he goes inside the house and he's distraught and he seizes his son who scares him with this this creepy little mask. And he's terrified and he sees the knife on the counter and he goes with his kid and you're like, holy shit, he's going to murder his son. This dude, this dude, what the hell? Why tonight? And he takes his kid downstairs and you think he's stabbing his kid in the head. And it pulls back and he's like, the kid's just like, and make sure to help me with the eyes. And it's Charlie's head, and they're carving his head like a pumpkin, and I love it. it is such, it's great. Oh, it's so good. You just realize it, how insane again, this the, kid is.
0: Like the, the horrific nature of all of this is still punctuated by like a pulpy, fun vibe that you're like, ah, nice. Instead of just being like, huh, you're not terrified. This movie isn't terrifying. It's just like, oh, this is the fun, spooky ghost stories that we like to see.
1: It's like, it's, it's like the scary stories to tell in the dark, you know, like those, those books from back in the day, any of those variations, because some of those were really dark. Like I remember the first one I read was like the fur collar and it ended with a girl walking up the stairs. And she was decapitated, and they feel for a fur collar, but there's no head, and she was just able through nerves to walk up the stairs. I read that as like a seven-year-old man, because that was a book that my Scholastic Book Fair was selling. So <laughs> yeah, this, right. This is kind of I think this this has a special place in my heart because it feels like my childhood come to life from the macabre books that I I read as a kid. Um, and that's what I, that's what I really love about this. And that's why I think like that story in particular is really amazing. And now we're, we're going throughout the night and, you know, I think a couple of times we cut back over, um, to, to the girls, who are getting ready for this party and they're trying to find guys and they're saying, you know, they're talking about to Anna Paquin, like your first time and we're having this party and it's like, Oh, she hasn't had sex with a dude before. All right. So they're finding guys, but it seems like they're just casually picking up whoever. And it's a very strange little moment, but it's interesting to see. And we kind of, we kind of hit that a little bit. And then we delve into uh, a group of trick or treaters who we saw in the beginning who were going around um, to the house because actually we do see Sam in the beginning as well. When he goes over to principal Wilkins house, he follows this group of three kids and runs in and grabs a candy bar and then runs off. Uh, but those three kids are actually going to meet up with one of their friends in order to collect jack-o'-lanterns so they can head over to the local quarry because there's this urban legend of the Halloween school bus massacre. Um, and they meet this girl, Rhonda, who has all of these pumpkins in front of her house.
0: So I'll interject here real quick and say this is probably the most info dumpy uh, section of this movie that was kind of like, at least in the beginning, kind of hard to follow.
1: Oh, dude, this because is my favorite part of the film. It's,
0: well, no, it, it was it's a very yeah, yeah, good yeah. part, um, but it's very much relying on making sure that these kids deliver like this, uh, like. Decent, like backstory to all of this, which is it punctuated by a very fun, colorful uh, flashback scene. With yeah, all these kids in masks. And it's on the your bus perfect. Like, they're the outcast kids. Yeah, They're the different ones. Well, it's the perfect. Uh,
1: it's the perfect urban legend. It's the perfect Halloween. You know, this is the type of stuff that kids always tell around a campfire. And I think the way this was done was was very awesome because I, I guess apparently it was supposed to have. It was written to be in a pumpkin patch. And as cool as that could be, this whole idea of it taking place at the quarry, holy crap, the setting for this, the setting, and and the way that the flashback was used and how everything came together was just so well done. Um, And and so they end up going, so they tell this story about how This bus driver, like these parents, um, couldn't handle having these, these kids who had, you know, issues. It sounded like a lot of them had developmental issues, some mentally challenged, some, um, I guess really that was, that was the different varieties of, 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 uh, uh, of being mentally challenged, right? But we don't know how, how deep that, any of that goes. And it sounds like these parents just just kind of suck you know and didn't like their kids and were like I don't want to take care of my kid and it's like dude it's your kid like just just, I (laughs) I, I mean and that's the
0: the craziest part where like we're living in this weird uh, town that like is seemingly normal all days of the year except this right and it Be- seems because that- it, everything goes wrong on this one night and then crazy shit happens and then they come back to it cuz that's right. the first time that i thought like everything's oh so everything's normal outside of this night
1: i don't i don't know necessarily i think like what happened in this town because i think that i think the principal is always a serial killer you know what i mean sure, and i think I mean, yeah. that and i think that but is it the, only on halloween does he no only do no it I, I don't of- i don't necessarily i don't think that's uh necessarily the case i think it could just happen wherever whenever and i also think with what happened with this uh with the kids you know it was the way for the parents to kind of have them all together in one place it seems like the guy he chains him into the bus as one little and gives him candy as this final celebration, the one kid who knows. He's like, Nope, we are going in the wrong place. Um, and he wants to go home and he escapes and essentially does what the bus driver was going to do. Uh as he's trying to get the bus to go home, he ends up driving it into the quarry. And it's so set this is one of the this the way she tells the story and the way that I'm watching it this time, like I've seen this movie a lot, but man. It hit hard this time. I felt so bad for those kids because it just, like, it it just, oof, absolutely It was cold-blooded. It was totally cold-blooded what that kid did. totally cold-blooded. Well, totally cold-blooded what the parents did to those kids. Like, why were they going to do that? And what the kid did was try to escape and by accident ended up driving him into the into the ravine. That wasn't, you know, what he was trying to do. He was terrified trying to go home, and that's the saddest part about this is that it's just like it was completely unnecessary. And then now you know that like as you're going through this, you find out that the bus driver somehow escaped. He'd been paid off um to do this by the parents, which I wanted to see revenge against the parents because they suck. Um, Again,
0: it's it's so the details in this uh, this one story in particular are so very rich because a lot of these other ones are just simple, yeah, uh, where it's just like a bit of a plot twisty like bait and switch sort of a scenario. But this was like a straightforward revenge story.
1: Oh yeah, well Uh, you start you start kind of finding out more of a history of this town, and and now I know I the town is now a character. The town has developed itself into that because there's a lot of weird shit happening in this town and yes maybe it all happens on Halloween but I think there's more to it than just that. Um anyway, at this at this point, uh the, they all go down, we see the bus there and it's it's out of the water. There's all the the jack-o-lanterns around there. Um three of the group went down in this elevator, this creepy creepy old school elevator just adding to the foggy ambiance as they go down to the rock quarry and uh, they leave Rhonda and one of the and this kid Chip up there, and uh, all of a sudden you see them holding their jackliners. They're screaming and freaking out, and Chip and Rhonda are back on their way down there, and Rhonda's like, "All right, I'm you stay here, Chip. I'm gonna go check things out because you know she's she's being the brave one. She's the outsider of the group. They just kind of brought her along, and she's trying to you know be brave in this. Well, what do they do?" these things come out of the ground and start attacking her and it turns out to be them playing a prank on her just to mess with her and it's super fucked up because she is genuinely terrified i mean there's just full-on fear she gets her glasses broken and the one one of the girls who's there uh is just kind of pissed off about this whole situation that oh we scared her but oh uh to one of the kids oh you you um told her it was a prank and now you're you know helping her out and defending her and all this shit uh she kicks in the final jack-o'-lantern and, and i guess that brought back all the kids as zombies the who drowned in the bus and they just it's such an awesome moment because these kids freak out and they run back to Rhonda. Rhonda's already in the elevator and she is like without saying a word basically is like fuck you Takes the elevator up, and you hear those kids get ripped to pieces. The sound perfectly, design on that,
0: perfectly oh. orchestrated, great timing on this so good. Uh, story. It's really really cool. Uh, I think the this is where we're going to talk into like the nice design, uh, especially yeah, with this next yeah. story because we we kind of glossed over Anna Pakwin's like kind of introduction. Well, yeah, stories, like, we'll, we're talking about these stories. Like we're talking about the stories on an individual basis, but the great genius about this movie is, uh, seemingly, in between all of the these like hard set individual scenes, every once in a while, we will cut away to maybe like two or three minutes, yes, worth of some other scene that is tangentially happening, just to make sure that you know that this is happening at the same time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Like Lori has been, we've seen Lori three or four times in the film so far, you know, picking out costumes, um, you know, her, her sister and her friends meeting different guys that they see at different places, walking through the town, kind of they're interspersed as we're going from one place to another. They kind of help with that transition. Very true. And um, yeah.
0: uh, so like when I talk about the design about mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these kids, it's very much uh, the the design of the zombies, the design of the uh, oh, yeah. as we as we need to move along for the sake of time, uh, werewolves that will be <laughs> holy that, shit, we'll be yes. seeing, that we'll be seeing very soon. Let's just yeah. quick talk about Anna Paquin's story because I think this is probably one of my favorite like, uh, again, very yeah. early two thousands esque uh, reveals here.
1: so yeah, she finds a guy. this guy starts following her he's wearing a mask he's got this vampire costume we've seen him attack and murder a woman in a little side scene already wearing this mask with these vampire fangs so we're like okay this guy's legit a threat and he starts to follow her around at one point he gets to her and you see him bite into her and you're like holy shit and you hear a ton of screaming and you're like alright well I guess Laurie's done and her sister and her friends are about to get murdered as well um and then we see a, a, a little, you know, the Red Riding Hood costume fall from a tree next to the campfire where her sister and her friends are. And it's like, oh, shit. And the girls walk over and they pull the thing and it's the dude in the mask with the vampire fangs. And Lori just walks right in and their sister's like, what took you so long? And they pull the mask off and it's the fucking principal.
0: Hey, hey, hey.
1: And it's awesome. And then he's like, "What the hell is going on? What's going on?" And he looks Blah. around, and there are bodies fucking everywhere. All the guys have been shredded into pieces. And then we get Marilyn Manson's "Sweet Dreams" going in, as there's this insane. So that's the most.
0: That's the most 2000s thing about, about it this is, whole it, movie. It,
1: but that's like in, that's like '96, is when that song, his version, of I it know, came but out. like but he, he it's had very, his moment. Sure, and but it's very it's very 2000sy, but it is such an awesome moment. Probably the best use of that song. As this transformation happens, and it's not your typical transformation, they start to strip, but then one takes a nail, and instead of undressing her, takes it and cuts down her back like she's unzipping a dress, and you see this peel away as the fur comes underneath. They take their skin off like it's a costume and become these full-on, kick-ass-looking werewolves. It
0: is... So, so I, I keep... I, for some reason, we keep hearkening back to whenever there's a good werewolf transformation. Like we will openly critique this. This I think this one is like on par with American Werewolf in London, only because of the effect. It's the effect of pulling the skin off like a sleeve, like a like a sock, like it's something that's like just dug up underneath, rather than like hair growing or uh, like skin turning dark. It's literally just like tear off your person to become this thing and like have a spine pop out of you. So cool.
1: So I I, so I have cool. to say it is definitely one of my it is the one of the most unique and creative transformations that I've seen. The only thing that I would say prevents it from being as good as something like American Werewolf is there are a few moments of CG transformation in the face and stuff, but that's it's minor, right? But that would be an argument for Yeah, from with any, the Anna Paquin
0: face as well. Right, and that, that would be overall
1: Oh, overall, yes. The aesthetic, holy shit, man. Just it's so good. It's so well done. It's a fun scene. And you realize like nothing is as it seems in this film. They were, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing. And exactly. And to complete the metaphor. Yes, it really does. And it's so good. And they hint at that throughout that they are werewolves. If you watch it, half the lines in there are all about, you know, eating stuff or stuff tastes the same. And it sounds all sexual, but you realize, no, they're just eating people. Um, So good. And then we finally get to, uh, we get to Craig or Krieg and Krieg, Ooh, man, this is that full wraparound story. Because Sam just watched all that werewolf stuff happen. Because Sam's cool as shit. And he's like, yeah, Halloween. And I guess they like him too. So then we cut back to Krieg. And Krieg is, you know, at his house scaring kids away. His dog is decked out with all these light things to make him look like a a demon dog. And we see how all of this stuff starts relating throughout. We see the beginning of the scene where... Uh, he goes outside and sees the principal digging up the grave. So we start tying in the timeline of where all of this is taking place. Uh, Which, by it, the
0: way, it's n- the movie's not basking in this in this fact. Of, no. like Trying to think of how clever it is. Because to this scene, it was just some innocuous, Eh, what are you doing? What? Huh? Okay. And then moving on. Where it's not yeah. even nearly as funny as, as it was in the first scene. Uh, Because a lot of times, again, in movies that like to play with time or play with, uh, like, revamping scenes from a different perspective, it always seems to be a bit uh, masturbatory a little bit. Just to be like, oh, look, see what we did here.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Um, But no, this one one does it so well. And then it's basically him... We, we find out that he's the bus driver, you know? We see that he's been he's been burning stuff, he's been depressed, he's become this this crotchety old man. And it's because he's been living with this guilt for years uh, of killing those kids. Um, he was the bus driver who was paid. And you're like, holy shit, this really does all tie together as far as a, a town history. And it, Sam gets in the house. And Sam starts to attack and we we get this insane little fight where the candy bar has a razor blade in it and it's almost like a box cutter in itself that he uses to attack and he kills the guy's dog which is bullshit sam shouldn't be killing dogs but whatever man like I tr- i'm just trying to forget that happened then he goes and you know it's he keeps attacking we find out that he's this pumpkin He's actually like a made-oath pumpkin because he gets a shotgun blast to the face as well as uh shot in the chest and loses a hand. Yet, the hand goes full-on evil dead and comes back to life and starts attacking the guy as he's trying to call the cops. And I love it because they definitely go with a John Carpenter's The Thing of the, uh, you know, what-the-fuck type situation, you know? Uh, or no, the whole no, the line the uh, you've got to be fucking kidding me! Like when he sees the hand. Oh, it's so hand. good. Yeah, he's like, oh, you've got to be fucking. He's like, kidding well, me. damn, and it's bullshit. so iconic in that moment, and it's just so cool to see because it's this um, you know, you see the tendrils hanging off, and it runs back over to the body and kind of wakes up Sam, who comes back to life, heals up, the the hand goes back on him, he puts the sack back on. Uh, grabs his his uh lollipop takes the bite out of it and goes to attack and ends up hitting the dude's can like the candy bar that he gets on him cuz he's fallen down the stairs he's gotten cut to shit like Sam has set up a shit ton of traps for this guy he's too so,
0: He's so he's so great at oh, acting so exacerbated at every yes. time again comedically so at no point like I it's gonna sound bad, but I never felt like the movie was in any actual danger. I never really felt tension, more or less. Like I didn't feel tense during the scene. I didn't feel like I felt like I was watching something that, like again, was fun.
1: Well, you're rooting more for Sam, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, but like I was like, it, it, it's interesting because when we watch uh, th- movies like this. We want to feel some sort of like hard pressed, or the movies typically want to like force us to have this like hard pressed emotion of like this is scary now, or like this is supposed to be tense. Um, But but when he was crawling up to his bedroom and all the blood was like trick or treat, give me something like okay, all right, how's he gonna get him? Because that Mm. was the bait and switch. How's he gonna like? Oh, and he slices as a kid like ah great, Mm, yeah. Like that's like that's what I like to see.
1: Yeah, and there was it's it's just a lot of fun back and forth. There's really cool moments to it. You know, it is that it's a character who's not going to die right away. It is kind of playing it out as a cat and mouse, batting him around for a while until he gets what he wants. And really, he just wanted a treat. It was trick-or-treat, trick-or-treat. And he got his treat, which was the candy bar. And then he he leaves. And we have that moment where it's fun to see him. Um, we That is right at the moment we get the reveal that Krieg is the bus driver. Until that moment, we don't really know. But then at that moment, we're like, he is. Uh, later, we see him giving out all this candy to people, and it's it's a nice moment. You see, oh, he's learned his lesson. Um, and then we see the characters coming back from their night at Halloween. Before Leslie Bibb's character gets killed, we see her blow out the jack lantern. Sam look at his lollipop that he took the bite out of, and be like, okay, and then heads off to do his thing. Uh, we have the girls basically, I guess, leaving town after doing their massacre there in their car. Um, we have all these other people, you know, going off to do their other stuff. The kids, uh, the girl who's the witch coming back to her house after all this Dylan Baker's son, just sitting there waiting for his dad to come home. That ain't happening. Um, and it, it's just really cool. It's this final moment where you're like, it all comes together and. He closes the door, he walks away, instantaneously knock on the door, it's the kids coming back to get their revenge, and the and the one kid says, oh, but I, I thought it was, it was, but at the same time, it's revenge, man, and this guy would never actually have a, a good life, he would always be haunted and tormented, Um, and the kid, the one kid, just that final line, it's perfect, trick or treat, and you see him in a comic book, in the comic panel, just get torn to shreds yeah
0: this and and, like again i of course this wouldn't be like a horror anthology movie if it wasn't if it weren't for an ending like that but like i actually i honestly felt bad for that because i was like oh like what would have been really nice is like if all of those spirits like forgave him in like kind of like an earnest like like they like give him treats or they like hug him in some way and it's like so this like sort of like don't live in guilt. It wasn't your fault, kind of. Yeah, a Yeah, but they they also uh, just
1: murdered a bunch of children.
0: They did, they did, and that was I'm for like, all really right, right, no all right, for right.
1: really no reason. So, except for kicking in the jack lanterns and scaring the shit out of a kid, which I could see, okay, don't do that. But they they still come to kill them and they they do because everything else in this pulls no punches. They kill kids left and right in this film, more so in any other. Actually, really, in any other horror film lately that I've seen, I mean, there are some where the kids are the bad guys, and you know that that automatically like cooties. Cool, all the kids are gonna probably get killed because they're all evil, you know. Um, but in this type of thing, where you take the ones who are innocent, and you're just kind of like, nah, we're just gonna we're gonna off them. I. I have to say, I appreciate that Doherty is willing to pull no punches. I'm also waiting for the sequel, because, holy shit, man, since, like, 2012, 2013, they've been talking about a sequel. We get, uh, when FearNet was around, every year was Trick or Treat, 24 hours of Trick or Treat, same way they did 24 hours of a Christmas story. He had a couple of extra shorts that he was putting out about stuff. And then, radio silence, you know? And then, finally, we're getting, I mean, he is doing the Godzilla, um... King of the Monsters film but I want Trick or Treat too and I want it now because he also did Krampus and we love it's, Krampus Krampus we got love, him love, back love Krampus. On, we love Krampus it got him back on the I mean it was a huge hiatus Trick or Treat to to Krampus from when he you know was supposed to come out that was a good eight years apart um, and now he's finally you know four years later he's going to have Godzilla uh, released so Hopefully I really he... think
0: that that Godzilla movie is going to be really good. By the way, I think that trailer's magnificent. Uh, but I, I, I'm very glad that he's, uh, he, he has talked about it at least in his, uh, either in social media or in interviews as well. That like that is still something that's very much on his mind. Uh, I, I more or less, I'm almost certain that we will get a trick or treat too. Oh no! In it, some it's, form. it's
1: happening. It's definitely, it is happening. It, it's a matter of time. But I'm also wondering, you know. For certain characters who survived this, do you wait a certain amount of time until they're older? Some of the kids could be in their 20s, and we have them come back all these years later. It's I'm possible. I'm thinking, bring back Anna Paquin. Well, I'm thinking bring back Anna Paquin, bring back um, some any of the characters, uh, other ones who survived. So, let's see. We have... Oh, gosh. Who else was who else survived? Um, the, the witch girl. Uh, she ended up making it through. And then the son of Dylan Baker's character as well. So, you know, we could end up having those characters coming back later um, in their 20s or whatever. You could have uh, Tomoa Pennicott's character come back in this town and kind of dealing with the events that happened all these years ago or something. Or it's just another anthology dealing with different people. It doesn't matter. There are so many options. But the fact remains, this movie is amazing and everyone needs to see it, and everyone needs to own this film
0: i I would agree. I think this is a absolute blast of a movie. Yes. it's It's fun. Uh, like anybody who even says remotely that they're not into horror movies, you, like this is one of those ones where I'm just like you can just sit down and have fun at a spooky story or like just this weird fun, manic crazy thing. That they've just made. It, it's it's so, like this is base entry horror movies for anybody. I could oh, easily yeah. recommend this to anybody, uh, despite all of its its gore and brutality inside it. Like it, it is fun first and foremost, and yes. everything else uh, is just gravy.
1: Yeah. Um, so this is a full recommend from from me. Obviously, this this is one of the best. So that's gonna that's gonna do it for us this week. Uh, next week, oh man, we we're gonna go full Goldblum. Um, oh,
0: I can't! I've been waiting. I've been dude, waiting na- for so 1986's long.
1: 1986's Cronenberg's *The Fly*, the
0: masterpiece itself.
1: I love this. I, I love it. Now everyone needs to see it immediately. Um, yeah, it's honestly like
0: full disclosure, like we're all just going to be talking about how much we love the fly for an entire episode. This isn't going to be some sort of mystery of like, oh, no, are they going to end up not liking the fly? Of course, we're going to like the fly.
1: I mean, it's probably going to be predominantly talking about all the cool special effects and the techniques that they used because there's a lot of them Um, and there's a lot of documentation on it, too. So there's a lot of stuff to watch. Um, in preparation for this as well so YouTube a bunch of these effects especially the hand dissolving just just do it it's super cool uh, but we're gonna be talking about that next week um, so anyway we, we just uh yeah we appreciate you guys listening and um yeah talk about some of the social media stuff Steve
0: oh yes uh, we, we have social medias of course we have Twitter we have Facebook at oh the horror cast uh, as well as an email address at oh the horror cast at gmail.com F- send us your suggestions well wishes praises and everything you'd like to send just be nice about it and uh, if you want to please give us a review on iTunes that's going to really help out the show it's going to help more people listening to the show and we always like to have new listeners and faces to the fandom as it always were Uh, but thank you again so much for listening until next time i'm steve allman and i'm rob holmes and we'll see you next time everybody
1: look at me damien it's all for you it is time to keep your appointment with the wicker man there's no more room in hell the dead will walk here.